This is day six of our daily Bible reading. We'll be reading Genesis chapters 21 through 24 and Psalm chapter 6. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for having mercy on us and showing us your loving kindness, O Lord. We are not deserving of it. We are so weak and needy. And we thank you, Lord, for loving us anyway. Please bless the reading of your word today. Please help us to grow in love and affection and understanding of who you are and what it is you're trying to do in our own lives. Use this example in your scripture, Lord, to increase our hope and to cause us to obey you more readily. Please bless this reading in Jesus' name. Amen. Then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was one hundred years old, when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Therefore she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her, for through Isaac your descendants shall be named. And of the son of the maid I will make a nation also, because he is your descendant. So Abraham rose early in the morning, and took bread and a skin of water, and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder, and gave her the boy, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about, in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, about a bowshot away, for she said, Do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the lad crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, and said to her, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water, and gave the lad a drink. God was with the lad, and he grew, 
and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Now it came about at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or with my posterity. But according to the kindness that I have shown to you, you shall show to me and to the land in which you have sojourned. Abraham said, I swear it. When Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor did I hear of it until today. Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Then Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Abimelech said to Abraham, What do these seven ewe lambs mean, which you have set by themselves? He said, You shall take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore he called that place Beersheba, because there the two of them took an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba, and Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire, and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood, 
and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad, and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide, as it is said to this day. In the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven, and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now it came about after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor. Uz, his firstborn, and Buz, his brother, and Kemuel, the father of Aram, and Chesed, and Hazo, and Pildash, and Jidlaf, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Rumah, also bore Teba, and Geham, and Tahash, and Maacah. Now Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is, Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham rose from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying your dead. So Abraham rose and bowed to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish for me to bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and approach Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, 
which is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence for a burial site. Now Ephron was sitting among the sons of Heth. And Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the sons of Heth, even of all who went in at the gate of his city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. And Abraham bowed before the people of the land. He spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will only please listen to me, I will give the price of the field. Accept it from me, that I might bury my dead there. Then Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth four hundred shekels of silver, what is that between me and you? So bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, four hundred shekels of silver, commercial standard. So Ephron's field, which was in Machpelah, which faced Mamre, the field and cave which was in it, and all the trees which are in the field, that were within all the confines of its border, were deeded over to Abraham for a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth, before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field at Machpelah, facing Mamre, that is, Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of Heth. Now Abraham was old, advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he owned, Please place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I live. But you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Suppose the woman is not willing to follow me to this land. Should I take your son back to the land from where you came? Then Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth, and who spoke to me and who swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you will take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this, my oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant placed his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten camels from the camels of his master, and set out with the variety of good things of his master's in his hand. 
Then he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. He said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now may it be that the girl to whom I say, Please let down your jar so that I may drink, and who answers, Drink, and I will water your camels also, may she be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown loving kindness to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, came out with her jar on her shoulder. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin, and no man had had relations with her. And she went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, let me drink a little water from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly lowered her jar to her hand and gave him a drink. Now when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw also for your camels until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran back to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. Meanwhile, the man was gazing at her in silence to know whether the Lord had made his journey successful or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a full shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels in gold, and said, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there room for us to lodge in your father's house? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. Again she said to him, We have plenty of both straw and feed and room to lodge in. Then the man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. He said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way to the house of my master's brothers. Then the girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran outside to the man at the spring. When he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, This is what the man said to me, he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. And he said, Come in, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside, since I have prepared the house and a place for the camels? So the man entered the house. 
Then Laban unloaded the camels, and he gave straw and feed to the camels, and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. But when food was set before him to eat, he said, I will not eat until I have told my business. And he said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, so that he has become rich, and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and servants and maids and camels and donkeys. Now Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master in her old age, and he has given him all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I live. You shall go to my father's house and to my relatives, and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Suppose the woman does not follow me. He said to me, The Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you to make your journey successful, and you will take a wife for my son from my relatives and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my relatives, and if they do not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. So I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, if now you will make my journey on which I go successful, behold, I am standing by the spring, and may it be that the maiden who comes out to draw, and to whom I say, Please let me drink a little water from your jar, and she will say to me, You drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder and went down to the spring and drew. And I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will water your camels also. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. Then I asked her, and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. And I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists. And I bowed low and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had guided me in the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. So now, if you are going to deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, let me know, that I may return to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel replied, the matter comes from the Lord, so we cannot speak to you bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard these words, he bowed himself to the ground before the Lord. The servant 
brought out articles of silver and articles of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the girl stay with us a few days, say ten. Afterward, she may go. He said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away, that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the girl and consult her wishes. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Thus they sent away their sister Rebekah and her nurse with Abraham's servant and his men. They blessed Rebekah and said to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gate of those who hate them. Then Rebekah arose with her maids, and they mounted the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac had come from going to Beer Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, camels were coming. Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. She said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, He is my master. Then she took her veil and covered herself. The servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Psalm chapter 6 For the choir director, with stringed instruments, upon an eight-stringed lyre, a psalm of David. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed, and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness, for there is no mention of you in death. In Sheol, who will give you thanks? I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of all my adversaries. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They shall turn back. They shall suddenly be ashamed. 
Okay, let's review what we looked at today. Chapter 21 is the beginning of the fulfillment of everything that God has promised Abraham, and that introduced his son, Isaac. Isaac is the chosen child that is going to start the Jewish line. Ishmael is going to be the one who starts the Arab line, and they do not coexist at this point. And not only is that prophetic, because God had originally told Hagar that he was going to be against his brothers, and they were not going to get along very well, but it was the attitude of both Ishmael and Hagar that caused them to separate to begin with. It showed that in verse 9, Sarah sees Ishmael mocking them. And we don't know if it's out of jealousy, we don't know if it's out of spite, we don't know why he's doing it, but Sarah gets upset about that and says, I don't want this kid near mine. He is going to corrupt him, he is going to be nothing but trouble. And Abraham is upset about that, because Ishmael is his son. Even though it's not Sarah's son, it's still Abraham's son. And he's greatly disturbed by the fact that Sarah wants him gone. And so he struggles with that. But God comforts him and says, don't worry, he's going to be the founder of a great nation. Listen to Sarah, because the promises that I gave you are going to be through Sarah, and therefore you need to listen to her. So Abraham obeys, and he releases Ishmael and Hagar, and they go and wander off into the desert. They are at the point, it seems, that they are near death. They ran out of water, there's no food around, they're in a barren wilderness. And so she put Ishmael under a bush and was going to leave him to die. And she just couldn't handle it. So she went off, it says, about a bow shot away. And it seems that she still wanted to watch to make sure she was okay, but she didn't want to hear him crying anymore. And so she pleaded to God for deliverance. And God said, remember what I told you a while back. This child is going to be someone great. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about anything. I will keep my promise. Now, then it says in verse 19 that God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. I don't know if that well was just hidden from her to begin with, or she was not paying attention. It's not really clear. But God showed her, look, I can bring you rest. I am the one that is able to save you. Trust in me. Ishmael is going to be just fine. And God never departed from Ishmael. He allowed him to grow up to be a strong man, and and just like his mother's lineage, he married into the Egyptians. And so we have the beginning of the Ishmaelites at this point. But until we reach the story of Joseph, we won't hear much about the Ishmaelites anymore. But we'll come back and we'll find them again. Then we go back to this relationship that Abraham has with Abimelech. Now, the thing that's going to be confusing later is when more generations come down the line, the guy is still going to be named Abimelech for that particular area. And at a glance, you might think that this dude is still around and he's super old and he's keeping all the promises he made with Abraham. But chronologically, it's impossible for it to be the same person. 
So it's most likely that the name Abimelech is actually a title rather than a name. You know how Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. Abimelech might be the king of this area. That's just what they call them. Remember that as we go later on into the story, because we will come to Abimelech again, but it'll be way later in time. So it's not the same person. It's just a title. And Abraham purchases the burial ground from the sons of Heth. And this burial ground is going to be used for the coming generations. And if I'm not mistaken, even when they return to the promised land, they remember this area and they use it even at that time after Joshua enters the land. I'm going off of memory here, so I might be wrong about that, but I think I'm correct. Now, in chapter 22, we have a probably famous story about Abraham, but there is some deep spiritual truth in this story. There's no doubt that this is a typology of Christ, right? The illustration of a man giving his one and only son as a sacrifice, that can't be a coincidence. There are no coincidences with God. God is showing us the kind of dynamic that he had with Christ in giving him up as a sacrifice. But it also shows us how we, as Christians, are to interact with God. No matter how ridiculous his requests might be, no matter how devastating it might appear, God needs to be obeyed. God told Abraham that Isaac was going to be the chosen son. And yet, at the same time, God is telling Abraham to sacrifice him. And I'm sure Abraham is like, what is going on? But he didn't hesitate. He got up early and prepared and was swift to obey. And the one thing that Genesis does not really do is spell out why Abraham did what he did. And it's a bit more than just obedience as well. But the book of Hebrews does talk about it. And so let me tell you what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, and this is at this time, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Resurrection had never been seen before. The concept of bringing somebody back from the dead was a foreign one, but yet Abraham believed that God was capable of the impossible. If you, Lord, promised that Isaac was going to be the one that all your promises came through, then you're going to do something that will make it happen. You want me to sacrifice Isaac? I will gladly do it for you, Lord, because I know that nothing is going to stop you from fulfilling your promises. Do you see the kind of trust that Abraham had in God? That is the kind of trust we need to have in God, that no matter what presupposition you might have, whatever bias you have, whatever doubts you may have, you're still going to obey God with the confidence 
that he is going to accomplish his good purpose in you, and it is going to be the best possible option. So often, though, God asks us to come out of our comfort zones, and we struggle to do that. But Abraham wasted no time in obeying God's command, and through that, he was greatly blessed. What a wonderful example of what it means to be a true follower of God, right? Now, the place that Abraham performed this sacrifice was on Mount Moriah. And today, that is where the Temple of Solomon, or the Temple of Herod now, is located in Jerusalem. That is why it's such a significant site for the Muslim people and the Jewish people, because that is where Abraham performed this sacrifice. When King David buys this land, it's not really spelled out at that time, so that's why I'm saying it now. That, and that's why I'm saying it, because it doesn't really explain how, the historical significance of that site, but it is where Abraham performed this sacrifice. So in Abraham's obedience, there was a substitute that was given for the sacrifice, and it was a ram that was caught in the thickets. Jesus Christ is our satisfactory substitute, or what the New Testament calls the propitiation for our sins. He is the only one that could be the perfect sacrifice. God was willing to give his begotten son, and begotten meaning that he was of the exact same nature as his father. That's the same understanding with Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was in the exact same nature as Abraham. God gave his son, Jesus Christ, who is of the same nature as him. Jesus said that to his disciples. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father, because they are one and the same. They are God. And so he did not spare his own son for the sake of our sins. He gave his begotten son without reservation. He willfully allowed Jesus to die on the cross. And Jesus chose the cross for us. No one forced him on it. God didn't have second thoughts when he did it. He was willing to go to whatever ends necessary in order to bring us salvation. That is the most humbling thing to think about. Do we recognize and acknowledge the lengths that God went to save you? If you don't think you're of any value, if you think you're a worthless human being, if you're depressed, thinking you have nothing to contribute as a Christian, remember who called you and what lengths he went to to call you. Praise the Lord for what he's done for us. In chapter 23, we see the end of Sarah. She lived to be 127 years old, which is a good old age back then. Now, she had Isaac around the age of 90, 90, 91. So obviously that means that Isaac was in his 30s when this happened. And right after this event happens, then we have Abraham deal with the burial of Sarah. And then we see him work towards finding a wife for Isaac among his people, his family. And so after he deals with the sons of Heth and he gets the land that is deeded to him for 400 pieces of silver, then it jumps forward in time a little bit to where it says that Abraham was old and advanced in age 
But yet he's not done yet. There are going to be more children that come from him from another wife. So it makes it sound like he's at death's door at this time, but no, he's still got years to go. But he chose to send a servant to Ur of the Chaldeans, to the land of his people, to find a wife for Isaac from there. I see a standard being set for the Hebrew people. Because when we go to the promised land, God is going to tell them that they are to marry within their own people. They are not to take wives and husbands from these pagan nations because it's going to corrupt them. God wants them to worship him only and not to introduce other religions, other beliefs, other rituals that are contrary to the law of Moses. Now, obviously, it's easy to tell that they don't do that from the very beginning of being in the promised land, but you see the same kind of concept being made here by Abraham to where he wants it to be a pure bloodline that loves the Lord. And so he seeks a wife from his own people. And in essence, Rebekah and Isaac are cousins. Rebekah is Abraham's grandniece, right? Because his brother had a son, and his son had a daughter. So that's not just a niece, that is a grandniece. So what we see Abraham do with this servant, which is likely Eliezer, the one mentioned previously, but it doesn't really say his name at this point. But he tells him to put his hand on his thigh in order to make an oath with him. This term thigh is actually a euphemism for the reproductive organ. This is how serious Abraham took this oath. It symbolized how the yet unborn children that Abraham would have would avenge them, or it legitimized this oath because that was the area that God circumcised, which was part of the covenant that was between Abraham and God. I'm not really sure exactly which one it is, but it was a serious commitment. And so he made him swear, you're going to find a wife from my own people, and the Lord will give you success. So you see the servant go and do exactly as he's told. He creates a scenario in his mind, and the Lord entertains it. He says, Lord, if I go to this well and I see a woman who not only gets water for me, but proactively volunteers to water my camels too, this is the one, Lord. And within the first person that walked up, that exactly happened. And it turned out to be a very beautiful virgin who was of Abraham's family. And so God immediately granted his request. And then we see, for the first time, a man named Laban. Now Laban here doesn't seem to be too bad of a guy, but when we get to the story of Jacob, Laban's going to come back again, and his reputation is going to be more infamous than it is at this time. So we see that they allow the servant and his camels some lodging, the man tells his story, why he's here, and everyone's like, well, the Lord said it, so it's going to happen. Why, who are we to question it? And what I think is crazy about this culture is that from one day to the next, Rebecca goes from living at home with her family to going on a camel and meeting someone that she has never met before and marrying this dude. 
So very different time, right? And of course, there are still parts of the world that have arranged marriages. India is one of those places that come to mind. So it's not a foreign concept, of course, but in American culture, it's very weird. So Rebecca goes of her own volition. She meets Isaac. And I don't know if the marriage immediately happens by consummating it here. It's almost as if she got off the camel, met Isaac. Hey, let's go in the tent. I don't know if it happened that quickly, but it happened quickly enough. And so at that point, Isaac and Rebecca are now a couple. And we're going to see them in the next chapter as we go to the next generation, which is Jacob and Esau. Psalm chapter 6 is a very deeply sad lament. As you can see, he is distressed about something. And it seems that he's distressed about his enemies that are after him. If we were being honest with ourselves, we can definitely relate to David. And for me personally, I can relate very recently how he feels. There has been a period of time in the last few months where I feel like all of the people around me were against me, except my own family. There were issues going on at church that were problematic, and I was deeply concerned about those, which I'm not going to go into detail on. And then issues at my job where people were plotting against me and and doing all these dishonest things behind my back. It was very hard. I felt like I was getting it from all directions. And I would often think about, Lord, why is this happening? Why are all these people against me? It was, like he said, a very wearying experience. Being depressed and feeling overwhelmed like the odds are against you is very tiring. But even though he's going through this rough time, David did something a lot better than I did. He remembered that God was always on his side. He remembers that the Lord listens to prayers. Scripture says that God's presence is near to the brokenhearted. But not only that, but those that are depressed, those that are in distress, God is able to comfort them. And David seems to understand that, because at the end of his psalm, he acknowledges that God hears his prayers, and he acknowledges that his enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. Now, it may not happen in our lifetime, and so often we look at people who get away with it, so to speak, and we wonder why they're allowed to get away with it. But don't forget that God is a God of justice. It does not escape his vision. He knows exactly what's going on. But sometimes he allows them to have their fun right now. But when it comes to the end of days, there's a punishment that is going to be so severe, there's no coming back from it. Hell is a reality, and it is an eternal destination. So, They can have their fun now in the temporal, but when it comes to eternity, it's set if there is no salvation. And that should scare us as Christians, that there are people around us that need to hear Christ and are going to hell if we do not intervene. God is ultimately the one who saves people, but he does use us as his messengers. Are you a faithful messenger of the Lord? Do not be dismayed by your enemies, 
And this is something I have to remind myself of too. The enemies are always going to be there. And the reality is that the closer to God you get, your enemies will increase. But there is something to be said about the peace of God. There's something about the comfort that God gives that is beyond all understanding and is of a supernatural origin. The world does not understand that kind of peace. And so we can rest assured that God is going to keep us secure if we obey him. Don't forget that in your times of distress. And I am trying to do that as well. The verse to memorize today is going to be Psalm chapter 6, verse 8. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. This scripture is used elsewhere because the emphasis behind what David is saying is speaking as of a king purging his kingdom of evildoers. This isn't the only time we see this used. There is another who has used this verse in the same kind of authoritative way, and that was Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, this same scripture is used, and it is to denote how if you do not know Christ, he will tell you the same thing. He will tell all those who are sinners in his sight to depart from him. And those are scary words coming from the Lord himself. But have confidence that God is able to protect you from these evildoers and that he hears your earnest prayers. Again, God is near to those who are brokenhearted. Seek comfort in the Lord and in nothing else. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.